Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak. Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to the Real Nerds podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy. At Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there'll be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Coming to you from the X-Access, it's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this John of All Trades podcast promo. Each Wednesday, I bring you a brand new interview with someone fascinating and ask the question we all ask when we meet someone new. Hey, what do you do? It's fun, informative, and it's the 2017 Westward Reader's Choice Award winner for Best Denver Podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, and johnofalltrades.us. Hi, this is Dave Callahan, creator of Jean-Claude Van Johnson. And this is Peter Atencia, the director of Jean-Claude Van Johnson, and you're listening to The Real Nerds Podcast. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Comic Con 2018 and beyond. I am Zach for the hundredth fucking time. Um, Who knew and, we would ever get here? Yeah, and oh yeah, and th- this is the thing. It's only me and Brad today, guys, so yeah. the 100th episode of Zach... Scared our other co-hosts away. Yeah, <laughs> not only that, but apparently... And, and scared Henry all the way to New York. <laughs> <laughs> It scared Henry so much he's not talked to us in like three weeks. So, but um, I'm sure they'll be back next week. It's uh, it's it's kind of shitty in Denver right now. Um, yeah, the weather's bad. Ryan's working. James is working. Um, yeah, so it's so we had to we had to decide if it was just going to be us or getting a couple of trained dogs to replace. Brad and or Brad Ryan and James and then I would play myself because I already sound like a stupid dog. So, but we figured this would be better. Yeah, I know. You know, um, actually, it's not a total loss because Ryan did uh, write in to congratulate you. Yeah. Um, earlier this week. Yeah. So we'll, <laughs> we can talk about that um, when he because he also reviewed the movie too. So we can talk about that when we get to our movie. Which what? No, let's talk about a fan mail. <laughs> okay, fine. Do you want to do it that way? <laughs> Here's fan mail. You know what? It's fine. You know what? You've been here longer than I have. <laughs> I'm hijacking this show. <laughs> You're hijacking <laughs> it. Um, but every week we go see a new movie and we podcast our experience of the world. This week we saw Pacific Rim Uprising. Was that brawl between the Kaiju and the Jaegers worth seeing a second time? I guess we'll find out at the end of the show. Um, but we also talk about uh, movie news, what's been coming out and um, on Blu-ray and DVD. And um, we get fan mail. Um and, and what we've been watching. And what we've been watching, yeah. Um, so on that note, why don't we kick off that fan mail and get it out of the way. Fan mail! Yeah, probably uh, the show's biggest fan, Ryan Frost, wrote in. Congratulating <laughs> you <laughs> wait, on wait, your wait, 100th wait, episode. His biggest fan. It's James's mom and then Ryan himself. <laughs> right, right. Okay, my mistake. Um, he said, hey, nerds, sorry I couldn't make it for Zach's 100th episode, but thank you, Zach. 
you've made the real nerds better with all your documentary watching <laughs> and jack benny loving self thanks for being a friend and a fellow nerd and there's more but we'll address that at the end of the show yeah and then the after that bit it was congrats zach ryan and so yeah cool thank you ryan i appreciate it um you know i know that i can't be as awesome as you in the ways of many things but when it does come to jack benny i am pretty awesome you're the expert on this show i, I know i know no it's, one can dispute that. By the way, it's it's honestly the most useless uh, senior analyst position to have in any podcast. To be honest, <laughs> I, I mean, like honestly, like I want to see if WTF has a senior Jack Benny analyst on that show. I mean, it's probably just Mark in a wig. <laughs> I mean, someday when they get around to making that Jack Benny biopic, this podcast is going to be <laughs> first in line for downloads because. You know, we're playing the long game. If they ever do a documentary on him, they should just interview me, but in a series of different wigs and dresses and get-ups. Like, it'll be like my Eddie Murphy performance. <laughs> it'll be like one of those, you know, like Ray or uh, yeah. like one of those reboots where it's like, uh, I guess, a dramatization. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, they'll tap you for like... All the different experts. You'll be like a jo- uh, Gary Oldman. They'll just put you in a ton of Jack Benny makeup <laughs> until you look exactly like him. It's so it, actually it's it's like not to tail too far off on of that, but I have tried to figure out how you would do that biopic, and it doesn't. It, it's very it's very fucking hard because he wasn't a, a horrible shitty man. <laughs> so <laughs> not a lot of drama in that. No, I mean there there is a story to tell, but it's a, it's more of a emotional human like self awareness film. But that's not here for this podcast. That's for another podcast called Zach talks about his dreams that'll die. Um, <laughs> should we talk about where I think, I've been around town? I think we should, because I'm going to derail this off somewhere else. <laughs> here's what's going on around town. Yes, here's what's going on around town. Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. Midnight Madness at the Esquire this week is The Room and the Rocky Horror Picture Show. You're tearing me apart, Brad. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, congratulations. Is, is <laughs> you that... said the most obvious thing. <laughs> is that is that really what I think it is next week? I'm sorry, I'm seeing his screen, but it's Get Out? No, that's April 6th and 7th. Oh, okay. Well, it's it's Monday right now, this Friday, yeah. Saturday. Yeah. This March 30th and 31st. Yeah. Um, and then just jumping ahead, uh, April 6th and 7th, the following week is Get Out. Huh? Um, I guess I that seems okay. Went out part of my watching. I'll explain, but they I found out firsthand that they they program get out just because they wanted to get it out there more to more people, more opportunities for people to enjoy the movie. There you go in the theater. So nice. Um, and then maybe a little bit more ahead was uh, it's pretty interesting because you know it's it's not a regularly programmed thing. Uh, they're, April 13th and 14th, they're showing Deep Red by Dario Argento. I saw the trailer. It's pretty messed up. So That sounds like a Dario Argento movie. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, pretty shocking. So um, that's uh, di- different. They, they usually program a lot of stuff over and over again. So when I see these you know, first-time things, I don't know. Maybe it, April's their secret month where you have to... <laughs> yeah, unload the... Yeah, because... After that, it's the Maltese Falcon, and then after that, it's the Bell of Dawn of Sadness. So, which you've already they really changed it up. Previous episode, yeah. Also, not a fun watch. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's what's. Oh wait, uh, 
oh yeah, open screen is tomorrow, so you probably won't hear this by then. So that doesn't matter. Um, yeah. How how was open screen night, Brad? <laughs> <laughs> um, it was pretty awesome. It was the best one we've ever had. I heard someone got shot there, man, like outside. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it was part of the show. Um, we're really pushing the boundaries of what a show can be and how you can experience it and then not experience anything ever again. You're like divine and female trouble. You're going to make murder in art. <laughs> Take your word for it because I've never seen that. There you go. That's and that's, to, yeah, that's what's going on around town. It is coming to Criterion uh, this summer, so you can check it out there. Is that a segue for it is a segue DVDs and... to DVDs and Blu-rays? DVD releases and Blu-rays. Well, um, if you hated The Last Jedi, you can protest by not buying it on 4K and Blu-ray. Um, it's, uh, there's a couple different editions. Um, are you kidding me? Well, I know. <laughs> there's a Walmart edition. There's a Target edition. There's a Best Buy edition. I was underselling it. <laughs> 4K, Blu-ray, DVD. You have so many choices. Yeah. Digital. You could have actually watched it already. Um, but yeah, no, uh, the Steelbook looks pretty awesome. Um, yeah, it's, uh, based on one of the, uh, large, dis- like cardboard displays in the theater. Yeah. So they took the art from that. Um, so a little unsymmetrical. I do like the main poster for it's symmetry yeah so unfortunately that won't be on the 4k blu-ray that i reserved so the target one looks like a mess <laughs> uh but i think it's the digibook version so you'll probably get some like printed pages that are really nice inside it yeah fair enough i think i um, can't see it here but that's usually what they do yeah it's uh it, it looks interesting um but um outside of star wars the last jedi um you can also get killer clowns from outer space coming to blu-ray from arrow um which i've never seen that film before me neither um, but it's uh, the the Chiquito Brothers, I think it's their name. Like they they make very strange films. Chiodo. Chiodo Brothers. That's what, yes, <laughs> Chiquito sorry. Brothers. They make interesting films. They make banana films. <laughs> Chiquito films. <laughs> oh my God! The Donkey Kong movie brought to you by Chiquita. <laughs> Let's make it happen, guys. Um, the Outer Limits season one is coming to Blu-ray, um, which I think it's from actually an outside company. It's not anything major. So here's hoping we get a season two of The Outer Limits because it's pretty cool. It's not the Twilight Zone, but it's just as fun. Um, uh, one that Brad will be interested in, Sub-Zero, Batman and Mr. Freeze, 1998's uh, direct-to-video um, Batman animated movie. Pretty sure, yeah. Uh, but that's coming to you from uh, Warner Archive, I believe. Um, yeah. Because it's one you had to do the made-on-demand. Yeah, but they said that for um, Master of the Phantasm and Best Buy had it, so whatever. Yeah. Well, there, there you go. Um you can get the first season of Legion, uh, the FX show that I haven't seen but want to because it sounds pretty f- messed up. Mm. Um, if you uh, wanted to celebrate the 15th anniversary of the remake of Freaky Friday, now's your chance. Revisit Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan switching minds to learn what it's like to be the other person. Um, and then um, you can get Mr. Robot Season 3.0. I guess that's a joke about how it's about technology. I've never seen the show, so. Yeah, me neither. I don't know. Um, and then it looks like Scanners is coming back to Criterion because um, I, they, I believe they uh, went out of print with that, so maybe this is a reissue of it. Really? Um, they released that one not that long ago. Well, I, I, I tried looking for it, and they said it was out of stock, so maybe this is their second wave or something. You can also get Paul Whiteman in The King of Jazz, uh, which is an early 1930 film. Um, about um, Paul Whiteman and his uh, jazz band, um, which is actually one of the first 
musicals that Universal ever did and uh, kind of pioneered the way through with Two Strip Technicolor. Um, but you can get that on Criterion. I know I'll be picking that up. Um, and then mm. lastly, we're going to get to the Scream Factory of it all because it's, uh, it's kind of a crowded week. Um, you can get the Steelbook editions of the previously released Assault on Precinct 13 and Prince of Darkness, two John Carpenter films right back at you. And they're nice Steelbooks. The artwork is fucking fantastic. Um, and uh, the But the newest release is going to be Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon in a collector's edition. Which I'm sure Ryan's already got pre-ordered. And I believe I have it pre-ordered. I have to check my account. Um, but that's a good movie. It was on, uh, I think it was on Ryan's list from uh, the 2006 film explosion. So... Um, and then outside of that, a lot of anime, the Sandlot coming back. That's anime. No, just, I'm just listing off <laughs> all the, all the, what I see here. It's it okay. Really you is, can move on. It really is not much. Yeah. It's, it's just Star Wars is really the main thing. Um, speaking of Star Wars, there's some news about Star Wars this week. So why don't we unspool that real news? Stop leaving fake pauses. No, I'm sorry. I'm my computer. <laughs> it's so down. so hard to edit. No, my computer's slowing down. It's real news. Did you know there was an original ending for Episode Nine <laughs> that Mark Hamill decided to just reveal? Cause fuck it. <laughs> episode Nine. Yeah, the so the one like, they're making right George, now. When George Lucas was gonna do it. Oh. Yeah. So um, the quote here um says that apparently the original plan was for Luke to train his sister Leia in the ways of the Force. After that, he'd die. Uh, the quote specifically is, I happen to know that George didn't kill Luke until the end of Episode Nine after he trained Leia, which is another thread that was never played upon in The Last Jedi. Why um, would he die from training? I don't know. Like, he just trained so hard. Like, he was doing um, CrossFit, like, so <laughs> intensely. I mean... We saw how fit Hamill looked getting ready just for, like, no lines at the end of Episode 7, so... I'm just saying. Yeah, it's not like he's, like, way older than Leia. Yeah, I mean... He, I mean, <laughs> so I don't know why he was gonna die. And, like, with all due respect, like, he's more alive than Leia right now, so... Um, yeah, that he definitely won that battle. I know, so... um, uh, He made a good point, though, about, it. like, this is more like a passing the baton kind of deal, Um, the way they're they're doing Star Wars now, as opposed to this grand complex plan that George had. So, which I honestly kind of like because I now never know what's going to happen. Like I, anything could happen. And plus they're not just making three more movies. So yeah, they yeah. got to build a whole new star Wars universe basically. Yep. Exactly. Um, further in the star Wars news, we also got some more solo info. Um, couple different things. The main thing though, um, we got some details on the villain and we finally figured out what Phil Lord and Chris Miller are going to be credited as on that movie as executive producers. So that question's finally answered. Cool. It, it means, or it tells me that Ron Howard did way more than just reshoots. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, so, I, which I know they've been kind of talking about, like... Yeah, they said he pretty much upended that movie, so... Yeah, so... Um, and then apparently, like, some actor came out and said that, like, everything was, like, going to hell and Phil Lord and Miller shouldn't have been there, but I don't know. that It's an anonymous source, so it's... Species at best. Um, we can now turn to another part of the Disney uh, family in the Marvel Universe. Uh, Captain Marvel is going to bring back Clark Gregg as Agent Coulson, and we're also going to get the return of Dijon Hunsu and Lee Pace from Guardians of the Galaxy, their characters. So, Jaiman Hunsu. Jaiman Hunsu. 
Um, I <laughs> did I did, did the way I say it sounds terribly offensive. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it was wrong, and I didn't remember. I, I I can't remember what you said. It was so it was so weird. I, I said Dijon Hutsu. <laughs> like Dijon mustard. <laughs> okay, jerk. <fuck> <laughs> Cool. I never said I was good at reading. <laughs> um, but, yeah, cool. We get the return of Clark Gregg. He's been having fun on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I'm way behind on. I Must be some kind of prequel if Ronan the Accuser's back. Yeah, so uh, we'll see how that uh, plays out and whatnot. And, um, and, like, a weird connection to the Guardians of the Galaxy, because, like, Jaiman Huntsu was one of the, uh, like, people tracking Star-Lord in the opening credits. So. Right. Yeah, that's why I was, like... I, I, he was the one that I was more confused about because, like, Ronan the Accuser can make sense, um, just because he's because it's supposed to take place in the '90s. You know, you can kind of throw into that, or maybe it connects to Guardians Three somehow. I don't know. know. I don't know enough about Marvel. You know, well, I don't know. I I I don't know anything about nothing, but yet I'm making a a guess. That's irresponsible. Um. um uh. The um also coming out apparently Steven Spielberg says that Tintin Two is still happening, which I was like okay, I liked Tintin One. The question is how many people saw the first one, <laughs> and will come back. <laughs> um, but apparently yeah, he says Peter Jackson's still attached to direct it and that it's still gonna happen. So it's really so, up to Peter Jackson to make it happen. Yeah, so Spielberg is like I did my part. Yeah, and then but Peter Jackson's just like just I'm, I'm, I made the Hobbit. I, I want a break. I gotta go work on Indiana Jones Five or, or West Side Story. Still deciding. <laughs> um, he was also supposed to do some kind of like Italian thriller, kind of like spy thriller or something like that that fell through, um, which then he ended up making the post instead. So he's got a lot of fires in the um, uh, burners in the fire. You know, he, he does what he wants to do. Um, and then uh, Disney's uh, this just just came out today. Disney's developing a Disneyland Grad Night movie. <laughs> and um, if you don't know what that is, anybody out there, like it's a tradition for a lot of California high schools. Like after their graduation, they spend the night at Disneyland. Um, my my cousin did it actually. Um, so I don't know. Um, so look for grad graduation night in theaters. Yeah, because they yeah twenty nineteen. Basically, they get the entire park to themselves. There's no like no one except for uh, outside of the chaperones i'm assuming cuz the, there's the other schools yeah so you know it's it's just it's just that so some little turf wars you know what it, up. you know what it reminds me of you know that movie that you saw the uh drive-in movie where they took all the people they didn't want in society and put them in the drive-in and then locked the doors i think it's like the drive-in from hell or something like that it's like a exploitation film um and it like they turn it into their own community i want this to be like that but with disneyland so they put all the recent graduates in there, and then they lock the door, and then they say, fight. <laughs> so the Warriors Disneyland? Yeah. <laughs> the Warriors colon Disneyland? <laughs> Come out and play! <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I should have gone to the Warriors first before, for that reference. Um, uh, Netflix news. Um, if you like Monty Python, hold on to your butts. The entire co- uh, Most of the Monty Python ca- comedy catalog is coming to the service this year. Okay. So you're going to get The Flying Circus, most of the stand-up specials, probably the first clip show film, and if all goes well with all the different studios that own them, you're going to get the three movies, which are Holy Grail, Life of Brian, and Meaning of Life. So, And maybe maybe they'll do something with that oratorio they did for Life of Brian. That'd be nice. 
Um, I love Monty Python, so I will definitely. Will, will be... they live stream spam a lot? You know that'd be cool. I think they're. I I think it's like off t- tour now. Like they haven't tried to revive it or anything. But I saw. I got to see it at the Buell, and it was fucking funny. And they. Yeah, I never seen it. The 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 beauty of it is is they make you find the Grail by playing with the audience at the end. It's it's fucking awesome. Like they they stuck behind someone's seat. <laughs> cool. Um, so yeah, like I said, if you uh, haven't got Netflix, do your silly walk over to the computer and get that service going. Um, we also got some really cool um, new Avengers posters today, um, which I thought were pretty cool. Like they're color coordinated and whatnot. So like the red has Tony, um, Doctor Strange, um, and uh, Spider Man. Um, here I can I have them right here they're all right here <laughs> it's like blue ones here like they're pretty to nice to make it for that mess of another poster <laughs> yeah <laughs> with everyone on it yep so this one kind of splits everybody up so like yellow has uh, Scarlet Witch you um, mean all the colors are based on Infinity Stones mm-hmm. that's right although of course they would have the Hulk's poster be green I mean of course yeah so. If you didn't, the nerds would complain. <laughs> be like, why? <laughs> Actually, they probably should have done that so they get people talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, All right. And then the last thing I have in news is uh, the most interesting because um, it's so interesting. I have to say it in an old timey voice. Dateline today. First crazy image of Tom Hardy playing Al Capone, world famous gangster. Yeah. Apparently, Tom Hardy's going to be playing Al Capone in a movie directed by Josh Trank. Um, most famously known for Chronicle and Fan Stick. So um, the first image of him as Al Capone came out today. Um, he looks okay. Um, it's 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 and to be fair, like the way they're describing the film is that it's not like a biopic or anything. It's a um, what do you call it? A kind of like a reimagining of that Capone story and whatnot. But it like parallels heavily. So. But um, honestly, he's, he, I mean, I can see him pulling off that look and whatnot. I mean, I don't want to get rid of the tattoos, but I think those are just on Tom Hardy himself. So yeah, I think they can. Fi- I think they can fix that and whatnot. But I mean, it's nice. Like I like. Uh, um, uh, I liked Chronicle, and I. I had prob. I had a lot of problems with Fan Stick, but I mean. Shit happens. It's a studio movie, even, and frankly, they don't know how to do Fantastic Four to begin with. So, um, you know, maybe maybe Josh Trank uh, doesn't need to be in the studio mode. Maybe he can kind of do these fun films, you know? Um, so, yeah. And uh, that is news. And Except for, because uh, we didn't talk about last week, Toys R Us is closing up shop. Yep. And on top of it, <laughs> the founder died. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. Um but uh, yeah, that's sad because for all, I'm pretty sure everybody uh, that was a big fun place to go to get toys as a kid, and I think uh, all of us were Toys R Us kids. We've already lost KB Toys, but the weird thing is, I guess KB Toys is coming back mostly online, uh, and everyone's excited about it except for, except for the fact that if they did their research, KB Toys is also owned by the same parent company as Toys R Us, so wow. it seems like a bit of a smoke and mirrors switcheroo. <laughs> Um, it sucks that large, uh, larger companies own the things we love mm-hmm. and, um, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, like I was driving, um, in my Uber car on the way home from work and I saw the Toys R Us sign going out of business and I was like, fuck. Yeah. 
That's it, where I got all my Legos. And I went in there, and they're only doing five percent to ten percent. Like they say, up to thirty, but you know, the thirty percent is some obscure thing that you would never want. Um, so most the Jack ev- Benny figure, <laughs> yeah, thirty percent off is that. Yeah, the exclusive NECA Jack or sorry, Hot Toys Jack Benny. Um, but yeah, like the Legos are only five percent off. So, and yet people are like, hell yeah, I'll take five. Like. If you're, they were smart, you'd, you'd leave the stock on the shelf and force them to bring it down to 30. But if you want to have less than a regular you know, weekend sale discount, go for it. It took, Well, I mean, it takes a while, too. Like, they, Second Spend took a while to um, chop their prices down on yeah. uh, new items. And even then, I think we only I got... I think they at least started at 20. Yeah. So, so you're getting, like, less than your tax off at 5%. <laughs> oh, well. You yeah, know, anyway. Toys R Us, um, you know... Uh, somebody find Jeffrey a home at the zoo or something. You know, I think he needs it. Yeah. Um. Anyway, um, I don't really have the best segue for this, but we're just going to jump into what's playing at the Alamo this week. Hello. Hi, I'm Kevin Smith. Hi, I'm Leonard Malton. Hi, I'm Mark Hamill. Hi, I'm Elijah Wood. This is Seth Rogen. I'm Christopher Mitzblas. I'm Armstar. Welcome to the Alamo Draft Hive. On, um... Well, that's today. So um, if you're listening to this on Tuesday in the past, you can go to the Back to the Future movie party, which is probably already sold out at Sloan's Lake. And if you went to that instead of open screen night, you're an asshole. So there's that. Yeah. Um, I'll be at work, so I'll have no no, no, no gumption on either. What's next? I, I don't know. Sorry. Um, uh, on Wednesday, it's going to be Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. Uh, for the graveyard shift at 7.30. I'll be at that one. Yep, so you can go see Brad and watch him watch Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. Go up to him afterward and be like, so what would you think, Brad? And I... he'll be like, leave me alone. <laughs> Back off, creep. <laughs> uh, at Sloan's Lake, you can watch um, on Wednesday, the DocuWest film series is doing Resistance is Life at 7.30. Uh, speaking of DocuWest, we'll be holding that at Sloan's Lake again this year um, in the fall. And I'm going to be programming for them again, so... Uh, that'll be fun. Um, uh, the kids camp for this whole week, by the way, is uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox and uh, at the Sloan's Lake and uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven at the Littleton. So uh, you can check those out if you want to do the kids camp. And then um, at uh, Sloan's Lake, Seven Deadly Sins with Tom Hagerman on Saturday, uh, the 31st at 7 p.m. And then on Sunday, April 1st at Littleton you ha- and Sloan's Lake, you have your choice of zombie movies. At Littleton, they have The Return of the Living Dead at 4.45. And at Sloan's Lake, they have Night of the Living Dead 4K Restoration at 6.45 p.m. So um, I, I, I'm i torn. Like, I'd love to see either of those things. Probably Night of the Living Dead, though, on that restoration. Because I want to see that on a big screen, even though I already own it. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, blowing up, it'll still look really sharp. So Yeah. Um, and then also they don't mention it on here, but I believe on uh, Sunday, April 1st, uh, since ready player one is opening, they're going to be doing their cereal party again at Littleton. So that'll be fun. I, I, I always wanted to go to one of those, but I never had the like time or money to do it. So now I do. Um, uh, and I'm going to make that a reality if possible. So anyway, that's what's playing at the Alamos. Awesome. You know what, before we talk about, an amazing brawl between robots and aliens. I think we should talk about what else we've been watching this week. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Brad, what did you watch this week? Oh, so much. Um, sorry, I'm looking at this. 
I Kill Giants, but also Infinity War poster, and it didn't take me to where I wanted, so let's just skip that. Um, while I'm getting my list up, I'm also going to uh, talk about, I forgot to say that I read that the Super Mario Brothers movie is getting a 4K restoration <laughs> by somebody. What? So I'm really excited if that's true. Wait. Uh, because you can't even get it on Blu-ray right now. But Unless yeah, you're in the United Kingdom. So that that's like the crazy billionaire who has nothing better to do, right? And thank him because yeah. <laughs> I want that movie in like the best <laughs> picture possible because, yeah, it's awful for like if you're like a Super Mario Brothers fan, but... I'm a fan, but I also like like weird things. So yeah, <laughs> I embrace the weirdness. I remember, I remember when I was a kid, like the beginning happened, like the dinos, the the video game dinosaurs, and that Brooklyn voice, and I was like, this doesn't look right. <laughs> and also, I I found it today like that make like its production design makes sense because the directors also created Max Headroom. Ah, so I think they were like, oh, that's like v- video in a movie that's a little game-like and it's the early 90s so you know it also people don't like acknowledge enough that it's like one of the first like i think even before or like at the same time as jurassic park it's as as far as like cgi in a movie Um, a lot of computer graphics and there's like a lot of technical achievements that don't get recognized for that movie so yeah i I, Um, the people who made it are actually still pretty proud of it even though i what i'm not i'm not i mean i've I've maybe watched it once or twice after the first time I saw it as a kid. And I think one of them was for a riff tracks or how did this get made? Like, uh, co-opt with it where I would watch one or the other. And I mean, it's, it's what it is. I mean, I wish Bob Hoskins didn't like break his body doing it, but yeah, (laughs) you know, like, so be it. And speaking of billionaires, if I become a billionaire, I'll finish, I'll, (laughs) I'll fix that cliffhanger. So, uh, so, so there's now two of the five real nerds have billionaire dreams that are specifically related to franchises that yeah. no one wants or people want, but we can't get off the ground. If I get pulled into a Disney meeting, they're like, all right, here's the keys of the kingdom. What do you want to make? Uh, I'll feel like I want to finish that Super Mario Brothers trilogy you started. <laughs> but but there, was, there was actually six movies playing. Great, like, let's do it. And they're like, get out. <laughs> So the real thing I watched this week, uh, let's start with um, The Death of Stalin. Oh, the, uh, the the satire film. Yeah. the I'm doing air quotes, comedy. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure it's really funny to people who like political stuff. Uh, yeah. it, it's, it's well made. It's uh, smart, but it's, it's, it's something that just went over my head. It's also, you know, this is a time before I was born. Um, I'm sure to like 50 and 60 year olds, like they can keep up, but it's so fast paced. It's from a time that I, you know, we didn't even really study in high school (laughs) that well. Um, so, uh, yeah, the the pace is so fast. There's no real breathing room. Everyone is just constantly talking. Um, so dialogue heavy, like kind of cross talking and whatnot. Yeah. Like Like overlapping. Sorry. Yeah. It's almost happening in real time. Uh, because, the movie Joseph Stalin dies um, abruptly, uh, and all the people under him are trying to rectify the situation because they want to like celebrate him, but they also sort of want change. But they don't want to be revolutionary in the eyes of the people, like too revolutionary. But because yeah, at the time Stalin is dying, like hundreds of people are being just you know hauled off to death. <laughs> 
mm-hmm. death squads um, just because Joseph Stalin said so. Because he was a paranoid fuckwad. Yeah. <laughs> so the people under him are like, we love Stalin, but that's not a great thing uh, for our people. <laughs> so let's, But if we say that we want to change that, that's like an affront to Stalin, and then they'll want to like harm us. So very complicated. Um, and there's like power struggles between the people within his uh, regime. Um, so it's an interesting watch. And I'm, sure, I'm sure you'll like it if like you're familiar with that time mm-hmm. and you like political things. It's also f- f- like there's a, a lot of the funniest scenes are just like all the people like Steve Buscemi's in this movie. Um, what's his name for Arrested Development? Uh, Jeffrey Tambor. Jeffrey Tambor. Um, uh, Eric Idle. Speaking of Monty Python. Ooh. I think that if, I didn't or, see no, him in the trailer. Or no, maybe it's Michael Palin. Sorry. Either way, you get yeah. a, you get a Python in there. You, you uh, set. Yeah, I think the, the, I think those are the most famous. Fa- oh no, uh, Jason Isaacs, um, also from Star Trek Discovery, he's in there too. Mm-hmm. Um, all great performances, all in their game. Like they all feel like real people, except for the fact that uh, they either speak because um, they're supposed to be Russian, but they either speak just straight up American mm-hmm. or some form of British. Um, so that's funny. Because Steve Buscemi is just yeah, he's uh, Steve Buscemi is Nikita Khrushchev <laughs> in the movie, but he's just he's he's pretty much like talking like a character from uh, Reservoir Dogs or something, you know. Nice, <laughs> but like I said, everyone's just in the moment, and they're just everyone's constantly talking. And so, if you're not familiar with the events, uh, so like the ending is a surprise to me. Um, but yeah, if you're if you're not familiar with events, you have no time to stop and think about what's happening. You're, right, like you're constantly 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 being fed new information so it feels weird i think you like we know about the cold war but like only in like fragments to a degree yeah russia's bad america's good like, um i think i got a little bit more technical education on it when i was in high school but then again like when you went to high school when i went to high school is not too far apart but like far enough apart where some things are like added into that curriculum yeah i um, think our school we kind of just once we got to the Industrial Revolution, everything kind of slowed down, and like I think we got to World War II in the basics, and yeah, right. so you never touched on like Vietnam or post World War II stuff. Well, we definitely tackled Vietnam. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's how I first saw Platoon. But right on, I want to check it out. Yeah. Um, then I also saw a midnight screening of a Moonrise Kingdom, and I've talked about it a ton before on the earliest episodes of the show, so I'm not going to go into detail. But the one thing I noticed this time was I was impressed with. Um, you know, a couple weeks ago, I was, I was at something where the audience was constantly chatting or th- throwing lines at the screen, mm-hmm. uh, obnoxiously taking me out of it. Uh, but the Moonrise Kingdom, from like the first frame, people were quiet and like just you could feel the room was sucked in to this movie. Um, so that was like a pleasant experience. So what happens when you put a good movie on that uh, Midnight Madness. Thing, yeah. So. I mean, granted, a Wes Anderson audience probably isn't naturally a rowdy, obnoxious group. So, um, as opposed to like say them playing Labyrinth again or uh, The Room, right? Um, but still, like, you know, there wasn't the person just constantly like whispering, you know, or the the couple on a date or yeah. like, oh, I like Wes Anderson. <laughs> like, we know that's why we're here. Um, I also you finished. Go, but you guys shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also finished uh, the Ninja Turtles. 1987 cartoon series right on how what's the overall uh consensus on the entirety of it uh easier to watch than i remember because like i said i've watched the first season countless times they were on vhs um uh, the 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 storyline 
and animation was more in tune with like following like a serialized arc. Um, and then season, seasons two through seven are kind of like mostly all the episodes are very similar where an alien from some tiny alien from dimension X with crazy powers comes, uh, the shredder wants to harness it. Uh, and the turtle it's, it's, it's unwittingly creating havoc across the city. So the turtles are trying to like not punish the creature, but, uh, you know, capture it and send it back or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, and there's a lot of variations of that. Um, or what else does it get like the shredder develops a new technology um and they have to stop it um a lot of the new technologies just involve reversing the mutation of things or making new and in the process reversing that creates new worse mutants and stuff so right on um but the since last week the biggest change is that by season eight they revamped the show and this, so it starts the era, and I was looking this up online that a lot of fans call the Red Sky era, where the show's darker, the animation is slightly grittier and more polished. But yeah, the, um, Channel Six gets blown up, and April's out of a job, so she becomes a freelancer. Um, the turtles get extra mutant powers because of something that I forget happened, probably like a mutant ray or so, or no they. Something of just because of the amount of time they've been alive, like this, their cells have changed. So they, um, they start growing into larger, more beastly mutants. Mm-hmm. Um, if they get excited or like challenged, um, it's almost like it's an allegory. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's 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 a weird, jarring like jump. Um, but this is like, I think 1994 when that first season happens. And so I think the last episode, which was season 10, ended in 96. Um, they lasted two years within that newer kind of mold of... Yeah, and they went from like 40 episodes a season down to like 8 or 12. Um, and then it, it did go back to like a serialized format where um, the Shredder and Krang are almost secondary characters. And there's this new threat called Lord Dreg, um, just some like weird conquering alien from another dimension. And uh, yeah, and it's uh, unfortunate that after ten years of like this phenomenon, the last episode is just the turtles pushing Dreg into Dimension X, um, which enemies of countless. Uh, after ten years, it should have been like a duel to the end against Shredder, uh, but like a couple episodes before, Dreg like uses him and Krang to do something, and then they just disappear. And I had to keep going back and watching like what happened to those two. Um, so anyway. The end of, I mean, shouldn't the end be that they grow up to become adult Ninja Turtles? No. It's been 30, they, 30 then, years, so and then they, and then they go to a, Then they go to a train station and lead their kids off to become new <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and then John don't, Williams' don't music associate plays. with Harry Potter, please. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm sorry, I had to do it. <laughs> um, and I was hoping Ryan would be here, because I, th- I thought he'd appreciate this the most, but I, I also, uh, a couple weeks ago, I bought the Office the Complete series. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, box that's right. Because I am like, eh, I guess they're never going to put this on Blu-ray like I want. Um, yeah, no, they, they don't care about you or you or I or Ryan. Yeah. They especially uh, don't care about Ryan. Um, but um, Universal, I mean. <laughs> uh, I was hoping there, there's a, I think, season six episode called Koi Pond where uh, Michael falls into a Koi Pond on a business meeting. <laughs> yeah. 
and Jim doesn't like help him because <laughs> <laughs> he's pissed off that Michael's because Mike uh, Jim recently becomes like a co-manager and Michael's being petty about it. Um, so he's constantly talking down to Jim. And so Jim's like, I can go on this meeting by myself. Michael won't let him. And so when he falls in the clay pond, uh, it's a bit, bit of a controversy when <laughs> Jim doesn't help out. <laughs> but that's all to say when that aired, there was a, there was a cold open where it was the Halloween episode <laughs> and Thunder Mifflin had a built a haunted house in the paper warehouse. Mm-hmm. And it was controversial because at the end of the sequence, so Daryl's like pushing all these kids along in a, in like a giant um, flatbed stroller. Right. And so they're going along and they see different like perverse things. Like uh, I think someone's being operated on. It's like a really dark haunted house for what it should be for <laughs> kids. But at the very end, the lights like come on and Michael drops out of the ceiling, hanging from a noose and like starts convulsing and frightening the kids. <laughs> And I guess, yeah, naturally, some people would be upset by that. Um, I don't care. It, that sounds like the. It's. I think it's, it's hilarious. It's, it is hilarious, but it also doesn't sound like the worst thing in the world at all. Yeah, and after he's done convulsing, he goes. He starts to go on this like thing about like, you know, uh, like don't try suicide, kids. You know, <laughs> there's hotlines or helplines out there. Um, if you ever <laughs> feel like you want to end it, so it has a like, pretty good message in the end. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I was like, oh, well, uh, I, I, it's missing from Netflix. But I'm like, oh, like, that makes sense because it was from the – but they would at least have it on the Blu-ray or the DVD. It's not on that episode. So I was like, oh, at least it's on the deleted scenes, right? It's not even on the deleted scenes. So um, it's, so it's just completely gone? Yeah, you can only watch it online from, like, YouTube, from people uploading it. Or uh, NBC.com actually has the clip, but it's, like, buried wow. right down there. But I'm like, why not even have it in the deleted scenes? Like, uh, so now it, it still feels incomplete. Uh, uh, but yeah, now the episode just starts with them in the office. So there's no like, and it's weird because every description of the episode on the box, on the website, on Netflix, talk about the Halloween cold open, but you never see it. It's do you think the, the original the like DVD release of it might have it or no? Because the collect the complete series is just them repackaged. So okay. Um. Then there's a. I mostly I didn't really like rewatch the episodes. I just listened because I've only ever watched the series on Netflix, so I'm digging into bonus features. And there's commentaries, but they're not for every episode, mm. which is a shame. And a lot of the episodes you want to know stuff about, they don't have commentaries for, which is a shame. Um, the first season has Steve Carell on it. Um, I think he maybe does one episode in season two. Uh, the good thing about the sparse commentaries, though, is that they have a lot of people in the room. So, like, each one has, you know, six to eight people talking at once. Nice. Um, so, you do get a lot of information. Like, uh, I guess Jim's hair is fake in season three because he was doing Leatherheads. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. the George Clooney movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, like an interesting behind the scenes. Uh, I think in season five, they do a commentary with... Uh, it's funny because in season four, I think... BJ Novak talks about like, Hey, sometime we should get, uh, like the craft service table to do commentary, uh, for the show. And then in season five, they have the craft service people do one of the episodes and they talk about like, what should the, the stars like to eat? Cause they all have personal chefs and stuff. Yeah. Um, Jenna Fisher, uh, mentions that her husband likes, uh, the color teal. That's his favorite color. Mm-hmm. And at that time, her husband was James Gunn. Oh so, yeah. That's right. So that's an interesting 
trivia fact for James Gunn. There you go. That his favorite color is teal. So I'm gonna go back and look at Guardians of the Galaxy and just don't go up to him if you meet him one day and be like, I heard you like teal. Yeah. How'd you find out? <laughs> um, Office commentary season. <laughs> Please don't hit me, Gunn. And then the last best thing is uh, the final season with Michael Scott. Uh, there's an episode called uh, for uh, that they do the, the Michael Scott finishes Threat Level Midnight as a film and mm-hmm. it becomes an episode. Right. Um, and the great thing about the special features is there's the full version of Threat Level Midnight uh, with bonus scenes that were not in the episode. Really? Yeah. So. Oh, shit. Yeah. I may, I might want to borrow just that one from season from you then. <laughs> yeah, I expected to, like, oh, I'm, here's a condensed <laughs> version of everything I saw in the episode, but no, there's probably another good five to ten minutes of extra stuff <laughs> to pad that out. It's been a long time since I've rewatched The Office. After I'm done with... Um... Star Trek, maybe I'll go ahead and uh, do that. Yeah, I've been trying not to watch it so that I could forget gags mm-hmm. and be surprised. So, but yeah, once I just, I, which is I'm, which I'm not watching the episodes, so I'm just watching the bonus features. So I'm trying to give time to there you make go. it feel fresh again. Yeah, oh. it, it sucks that they're not all on each episode. But I, I, yeah. I, outside of The Simpsons and Futurama, I don't know of any any series box set where I got commentary on every single episode. Like I would get them on a majority of them though. Yeah. Um, Seinfeld, I think had commentary on a majority of their stuff. I think the Simpsons did too, right? I mean, Simpsons has it on every yeah. single episode. Like even the ones that you wouldn't give a shit about. And yeah. Futurama was the same. At least it was. I don't know what the later Netflix seasons were or not Netflix uh, comedy central seasons were like though. Cause my, my DVD tenure with it ended with into the wild green yonder. So I never picked up the, um, I watched the later episodes just on Netflix. Um, but yeah, even season 18 of The Simpsons, like all episodes have commentary. Now, granted, like I don't think Matt Groening does every single one of them anymore, though. I think that it's really relegated to Al Jean and Mike Reese, or yeah. maybe just Al Jean talking. I um, heard they retconned uh, Martin Homer's uh, marriage again recently, so that sucks. Re- oh, how this time? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how. I just saw a headline that said, like, yeah, they... Cause over the years, they've been doing it subtly. Yeah. I mean, it's what thirty-five years now, thirty years. Yeah. Um, the oh, changes like, are going to happen, but I mean, that's kind of when, when you're in love with the first ser- uh, first couple seasons, as as we are. It's kind of like. Well, I I I've never I've never given up on it, but it's 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 hard for me to watch anything beyond season twelve, because then after that. The stories start becoming less and less like clever. I guess it is like the movie's an except. It is the rare exception. The movie is the rare exception where I can watch that and it feels like a, a combination of all the things it wants to be and that old stuff. So, um, but yeah, it's tough. I, I still love The Simpsons though. They'll never stop it, you know. No, I'm not. Have no fears. They got stories for years. Like Marge becomes a robot. Maybe Mo gets a cell phone. <laughs> That's all I got for this week. Sweet. Um, I didn't watch a lot this week. Um, after the show last week, um, we were talking about Darkman, and uh, I was like, I want to watch Darkman again. So I watched Darkman again. That movie's so fun and so messed up. I fucking love it. Um, one thing I noticed in this version, though, that I didn't notice prior in prior viewings, because like, I don't watch it as often as I do The Shadow and whatnot, 
But like when I did watch it, I was watching it with that in mind. But if I took myself out of that frame of reference and whatnot, it's a fun, messed up, just mad scientist movie. Like that has no connotation of Sam Raimi wanting to do something that he didn't get to do. Um, so like I actually appreciated it more on the level of just its own thing. Because like if you if I the reason I can look at it in that shadow context is because you do get those direct to video sequels like Return of Durant and stuff like that where Jeff Fahey plays. Uh, the scientist. So it's it's um, it's interesting to look at it as just its own thing. Um, and it's I mean, at the end of the day, Liam Neeson is playing kind of a serial killer in the movie. <laughs> like he's he's not a great person. <laughs> um, like a dark man. Where, whereas like L- the shadow is more uh, trying to like like I guess give, give a hero bent to Lamont Cranston. Um, the, there's there's just. There's nothing – it's a tragic figure in Dark Man, but he's not – he doesn't really become heroic until the last, like, 20 minutes of the film. <laughs> so – because the rest of it is just, like, I'm going to get revenge on all those people who fucked me over. <laughs> so um, – but some of the stuff, like, the visual effects are really great still in that film. Like, I actually liked watching them on the on the HGTV this time as opposed to just watching on my laptop because some of that uh, practical stuff really pops. Um, rewatch Shawshank again. I like Shawshank. It's, it's like one of those perfect films. Um, I, uh, I, 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 I didn't really like, there's sometimes I'll focus on one character more than another. Um, and for some reason, like up until the moment he leaves the film, um, I focused a lot on Brooks, the James Whitmore character and kind of how he interacts with everyone from his perspective. And like, and it made like his, letter to the boys um in the prison all the more like heartbreaking and whatnot like every word he said like kind of hits like a fucking like punch to the gut so uh frank darabont really really good at filmmaking and whatnot i i wish he'd do more but i think he's fine doing what he does and script doctoring or getting fired from walking dead i don't know <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah there's uh that um i started back up on the star trek binge uh last week i kind of took a break because i was just kind of burnt out so I'm back on it and um, about I want to say I've got like maybe six more episodes to go before I can go to the movies um, or wait no I still got the animated series never mind um, but there's some good ones in there like I mean Tholian Webb's great um, I uh, I really liked the idea that they were able to work work in a story um, with uh, Spock and McCoy like that like I'd seen before, but like when I was younger, I didn't watch them like with the same reverence for the characters as I have down the line going on down the line. And so watching that episode, that might be my, one of my top 10 episodes of all time is watching them try to really get to the core of why they maybe don't like each other or like, or at least why McCoy can't stand Spock. Um, cause Spock just kind of just goes with the flow cause that's, that's his way. Um, and then the thing, and I, and I texted you this earlier and this would have been probably funnier if we had much more people in the room, but Scotty's a fucking drunk. (laughs) Like, I'm just going to say it like flat out. Like I, I, I don't remember him drinking a shit ton in the movies. I remember McCoy drinking more. Um, but you know, every, there's like a good portion of episodes from the latter half of season two into season three where Scotty is either drinking scotch, drinking, like some form of ale or trying to outdrink someone or if someone tells him this is the antidote to the poison that's been affecting the entire crew i mixed it with alcohol 
he said, oh, so then it shouldn't be an issue, and then he just walks off with that glass, only to assume he's going to drown it with a bottle of scotch. So, um... I don't remember that at all. I, I just, like, seriously, like, I, I seriously want to... Like, since I've got the Blu-rays now, like, but I want to try to get the DVDs so I can rip them and make a compilation of every time Scotty says I'm going to have a drink. Like, I could probably get about a good nine minutes out of it. <laughs> um, so, but it was it was interesting just to see, like... I, that was an aspect to Scotty's character I never knew. So, you know, how, how the fuck he could pilot that spaceship for so many years is fucking beyond me. He doesn't pilot a spaceship. Well, not pay, <laughs> or, like, fix it, I guess. Because, like, he's... Think about all the times the Enterprise has been under crisis. Yeah, so he's not, like, switching out uh, nuts and bolts. Yeah. Like, in the wrong way. For all I know, the Enterprise is made up of just liquor bottles. <laughs> um, but A lot of holes are just plugged with whiskey <laughs> bottles. Engineer Scott, there's some kind of hole in the lower deck. Stick a cork in it. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, and but I did text you also that it it makes Simon Pegg's portrayal of the character in the first two especially much more meaningful because there's a there's a lot of portions in one and then two where it like the the best scenes with Scotty are where he's drinking. So um, whether it's with those like ice big ice ball um, ice cubes and the scotch and whatnot, but. So I, I was just like, this makes Simon Pegg just an even better actor than I already thought he was. So, so yeah, I'm going to keep going with that and see where we go with it. Um, I rewatched The Invisible Man um, from 1930 because um, I was just kind of watching some old monster movies. And, that yeah, I, I Ryan and Ryan's right, and I've known it all along. But, yeah, he might be the worst of the monsters. He's just a straight-up murderer. He's There's no sympathy for him. Like even Dracula, kind of like, oh well, he's dead and he's he's got no one. But no, he's just a straight up murderer. He just kills people because he's gone insane from a drug, from a drug. Um, and so, therefore, his redemption at the end is kind of hard to like justify in my head because <laughs> I'm just like, ah, oh, yeah, it's cool that you like got back with your girl right before you died, but like you derailed a train and murdered like hundreds of people. <laughs> so. Um, but anyway, and then the last thing I watched um, is I'm not finished with it yet, but I want to talk about it. Um, so it's a Netflix uh, came out with a new docu series called Wild Wild Country, which is um, uh, a presentation from the Duplass brothers, <coughs> and it's a six episode series. Each episode's about an hour. Um, I'm on halfway through part five right now, um, and it's about the Rajneeshi cult in uh, Antelope, Oregon in the eighties in the late uh, early to mid eighties. And that's all I can really say, a, say to you in terms of plot, because if I spoil how it starts and how it progresses, it's going to ruin it for anyone trying to watch it. Like even you, like, I think I really think you should watch it. Like, I think you'd like just, it's, I, I I was kind of impressed with making a murderer when you guys were like all excited about it. That's when I like, and then I finally watched it. And I was like, I get why they're excited about it. I have that level of what the fuck with the with this story because it's almost like I'm not Shyamalan directed every episode or wrote the story for this whole goddamn experience because every time I think I understand the rules of the game, someone throws in a new rule of the game and do does it by like kicking me in the groin. Because I, 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 my jaw kept dropping at just like all the shit that went on with this cult, that essentially, it's it's a sex cult, but that's not really what they are. 
Like that's that's just what the mainstream media, I guess, perceives them to be. But like, they have like much broader ideas, but they also have a lot of like 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 any cult, they have a lot of like dysfunction, and it just ends up going kaboom. But the way it progresses is just so fucking nuts that at some point, like the best way I can like pitch it to you is like at some point by the fourth episode, the people that are being interviewed and you think you understand whose side everyone's on and what whose everybody's position is, they hit you with a bombshell that makes you question uh, who you've been listening to the entire time. Um, and this is all stuff that's like 30, 35 years old. So it's public record. It's Oregon public record. So you don't have to watch this doc. But if you want to learn about this story in a very uh, well shot, well executed, well edited format, I, I would recommend it. It's called Wild Wild Country. Um, I I don't even know how it's going to fucking end. Like I, I, I'm just assuming the world will blow up at the end at this point because it's that fucking nuts. Like we're not here, Brad. The world ended. At the end of Wild Wild Country. And we're just like talking in some kind of (laughs) void in space. Um, So yeah. Um, But that's all I saw this week. Sweet. I guess that that brings us to... uh... This week, we saw Pacific Rim Uprising. Brad, should people go see Pacific Rim Uprising? Um, I guess if you're a fan of uh, the first movie... Uh, you might enjoy this. Uh, I was okay with the original, so uh, there wasn't like a lot of anticipation on this mm-hmm. for me. Um, I would say compared to what I like, I haven't seen that since we we reviewed it. Um, I think in two thousand twelve, two thousand thirteen, two thousand thirteen. Yeah. Um, so my memory wasn't that great, but uh, I felt like this one was more fun, mm-hmm. uh, and that's because it is more cartoonish, um, and not as dark <laughs> and dim as the previous one. Um, so otherwise it's, it's kind of like, uh, I, I almost had the same feeling as watching a Transformers movie that wasn't as obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I, 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 I think if you haven't been sold by the trailer yet, um, you probably won't be. So, mm-hmm. right. um, how about you, Zach? Um, well, I would love to tell you what I thought. But I also want to really quickly find out what Clint Eastwood thought of Pacific Rim Uprising because his son stars in the movie. <sighs> Great review, Clint. Um, yeah, go see the movie. Weird, that sounded just like you grunting. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, a grunt's a grunt, a growl's a growl, and a swell is a swell. Read my article series, people. <laughs> nice sell. Growls and swells. It's it's. Uh, I think I do need to change the title of it to something else at some point. But anyway. Man would. <laughs> Ryan, um, what do you think of the movie? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm Ryan, and as for Pacific Rim, the movie was meh. I did not get into the story and did not care for any of the characters. Scott Eastman was horrible in it. I did Scott not... Eastwood. <laughs> oh, that's right. Way to go, Ryan. Uh, well, he said he wasn't into the characters. Why are you expecting had... to remember his name? <laughs> because that was bad. F- oh, it could be... He did not buy... the. He did not buy that Scott Eastwood was badass at all. It could be the dialogue because that was bad for all the characters. He took I took Kellen with me and he loved it. He liked the robots fighting and the monsters were awesome, he said. But overall you do not need to go see it and it's not a rush to see the movie. And uh yeah, I guess part of the thing I forgot from mine was like the 
the robot fights are fun. However, they are very few and far between. Um, I think there's one... It takes a while to get started, and there's one fight, and then there's a lot of character development until the finale. Um, um, so that's... And uh, after the movie, the server asked me like if I liked it, and he hadn't seen it yet. And I was trying to rationalize, like, well, there's not a lot of robot fighting, but also like this isn't a $200 million movie, so probably there's only two robot fights granted they're spectacular when they happen but like that's where all the money's at mm-hmm. and they can't you know sp- spend a ton of money on cgi people to do five different sequences you know that are at that level right um but yeah i mean so yeah i'm i'm gonna say if you like the first one go see it because um one of the things i also watched this week was the original pacific rim and I had not, like you, I had not seen it since the first one. And, uh, I've since seen it since theaters. And I like the universe that they set up in the first one. And I like the universe they're continuing on with in the second film. That said, though, it, I feel like it limits your crowd. And so, like, if you didn't see the first Pacific Rim, some stuff that's actually pretty important in the story is kind of, it might go over your head. Like, even if you saw the first one and haven't seen it in a while, might want to catch up on that first one because there's an important plot point um, for why they're doing what they're doing. But if you eliminate all that, yeah, it's just a fun Saturday morning cartoon, and it was lots of fun to watch. I don't think Scott Eastwood's a travesty in the film, but he's not as charismatic as John Boyega, so that's, like, an unfair comparison. Um, Should we talk more about it after the trailer? Yeah, I think we should. Play a trailer, please, Brad, for Pacific Rim Uprising. Jake, your father always said he wanted you to be a pilot. He said a lot of things. I'm not a hero like he was. The kaiju, they're gonna come back. I'm not gonna be stuck waiting for someone else to come save my ass. Cadets, you better gear up. This is the way the world ends. How'd they get into our world? Someone let them in. Someone from our world. Who is that? Definitely not one of ours. Let's do this. This is your chance to make things right. We're gonna need more pilots. We have them. There are pilots we remember as legends, but they didn't start out that way. They started out like us. This is our time to make a difference. Do you understand? Jaeger pilots! Do you understand? One way to find out. That's what I'm talking about!
gonna be a long day. What do we do? We fight! Uh, it's interesting you say you should watch the movie because I felt like what drags this movie down is there's a lot of like lazy writing where the characters are having conversations that are expositional about the previous movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I but I feel like that if you're so like even though they're informing you about stuff that happened the last time, I still feel like they're since they're throwing out a bunch of technical shit regarding it. Like if you don't know what a Jaeger is going in or a kaiju or whatever like that, like it's going to go over your head. Like, even though they describe it in the first, everything to describe in the prologue of this film is like expecting that you kind of already know certain things. So if you know absolutely nothing about this, you will be lost. Yeah. Um, well, the prologue's fine. Cause yeah. that like made sense that like there's a narrator. Right. But they um, like, but they kind of, like, it's just like, but when the character's like walking around the base or whatever saying like, don't you do that? You know, don't do it that way. Like that time your father died, you know, exactly. Don't you remember? I'm like, uh, are you talking to him or me, the audience? Because it feels like you're talking to me instead of that guy. Yeah, it's 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 so like when I was watching this film, like there's a moment where I was taken out of it, especially having rewatched the first film this week. Is that like I felt like they were trying to soft reboot me in a weird way, and they didn't know how to do it because it's been shit five years since the last one. I know that's like four years of high school. Like, it's like that's not a lot of you know. It's not like Star Wars after. 20 years yeah you uh, know like it's it's like you can kind of go off faith that someone's seen pacific rim at some point on dvd or like even if it was on prime for a minute um but anyway the story it's 10 years after the previous film where the barrier where the monster aliens have been coming through the bottom of the ocean was closed by um, Idris Elba's character's protege. Um, and in that film, Idris Elba's died. So his son, played by John Boyega, um, is narrating the story 10 years later where because the war has ended, the Jaeger's existence is kind of being called into question in general. Whereas they like, could... Why just, are we spending a ton of money on this thing we don't need? Yeah, when you could just like have drones that operate at less cost. And his character is kind of like just a dropout party boy doesn't really give a shit about like Jaegers or Kaiju at all. And yeah. just wants to, I liked their barter system in the prologue. Like the whole idea of like, his... yeah, with all the destruction, like the world economy is all messed up. Yeah. So. so like the value of stuff, like you could trade a car for like a pack of Sriracha. Like it, that's, that's what this economy is. It's, yeah, it was interesting. And, uh, the, and the opening sequence is pretty fun. Like they're trying to rob a, um, a, a Jaeger piece of, uh, technology and whatnot. And then that's when, um, Jake Pentecost, John Boyega's character, meets up with uh, a young girl who's built her own um, Jaeger, but it's small as shit compared to an actual Jaeger. Um, and that kind of leads into a whole thread in the movie about doesn't matter if you're small or doesn't matter if you're big, you can do whatever you want, um, which is fine. Um, they get arrested, and the whole story's basic motivation is John Boyega's character is forced um, by... Uh, the, her his sister, who was Rico Kukinchi from the first film, to uh, train the half, young half ca- sister, yeah, half sister, to uh, train the young cadets to become Jaeger operators, 
and he has to team up with his old partner who is played by Scott Eastwood. Um, and he's forced to do it because he gets in trouble and his choice is either jail or training. Right. So, so um, which, you know, it's funny. It's like, actually like, I, I, Ryan's not the only one who didn't like Eastwood in the film. And I'm like, and I'm, I feel weird that I'm having to take a defense stand on this. Cause I'll agree. I did not like him in like furious eight and whatnot. And I, and every time I've really seen him in a film, I haven't been a big fan. Like I just think I, I feel like he's uncomfortable sometimes on screen. I felt he was fine in this film. Like, I don't think he was like, he wasn't any worse than like any guy you'd get to go up against Boyega. Who's clearly got charisma and clearly got like a, a, a sense of humor about him. And to be fair, Scott Eastwood's character is supposed to be the stuck up, like drill sergeanty guy. Yeah. So like, I'm actually thinking mission accomplished, dude. You did your job. Like, yeah, I'm sure it's a script where he just didn't, his character just wasn't given interesting stuff to talk about. Yeah, I know. Like, it's 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 at the end of the day, like you're you're dealing with a a character that probably would have been more interesting if it was like Charlie Hunnam from the first film because like there was something to build off of. But you're just throwing in this new character and. Like and again, like I give him all the props in the world. It takes it it takes a lot to step into a franchise where you're not like the the established character and whatnot, and like you have to start things anew to a degree. Um, because yeah, in this film, anybody who's established from the first film, like you really don't know where they're gonna go in this film because like um, Rico Rico's character dies. Um, uh, the the half sister um, who was fighting with. Charlie Hunnam in the first film, she dies um, in a big helicopter attack when a drone Jaeger or like a a rogue Jaeger that uh, comes out of the sea attacks the city. And I did think that the the strategy of the uh, what's the opposite of the Jaegers? Oh, the uh, precursors, uh, precursors, the kaiju. The kaiju. Uh, I did think their plan was pretty interesting uh, and like pretty strategic. So uh, the other s- cool surprise is that Charlie Day. Who was in the first film? He was in the first film and it was funny. He's um, back and he's funny, but he's also the villain in a yeah, way. Yeah, it's because and there's an explanation for it is that like in the first film, he had to drift. Basically, like he he mind melded or something with a with the kaiju kaiju brain in order to figure out what the secrets of the kaiju drift was like how they could stop the kaiju. Well, I guess. When you link up with one kaiju, you link up with all of them, and then you link up with the precursors themselves, which are the aliens that create the kaiju. And so they start operating through him. Yeah, and they start like kind of like giving him like brain highs and whatnot. So he'll come off a day of work and he'll like drift with the kaiju just to like quote unquote like get high. Yeah. Um, and so like he's become so far gone that when the twist happens, his there's only like one shred of him left that's trying to like plead out for help and say I'm sorry. It's an interesting scene for Charlie Day in a movie that has a bunch of other totally different tone stuff going on in it. Like this idea of like him like really being sorry for letting it go this far, but at the same time it's you know it's he then turns into cartoon villainy. Yeah. Um and but it's it, fine. It's Charlie Day like you know he can play that well. Yeah. But anyway, they they use the. Uh, I already forgot the creature's name again. Kaiju. The kaiju. Precursor. The kaiju. He builds like uh, a back door into the drones that he's been working on, and so all the kaiju are able to take over all the other drones, and so it becomes like mass hysteria. Well, that's a cool um, sequence when the uh, 
like you see kaiju popping out of the robots like a yeah like egg and which whatnot. is like i think i when i reviewed the first one it was like this is the neon genesis evangelion movie that i wish they what it was supposed to make like 20 years ago <laughs> um so like that part it, like reminded me of episodes where yeah like the, the beast within would break out yeah. of the mechanical shells and become all the sword and stuff so that was cool so yeah, yeah that was interesting but like i said there's a lot of stuff you have to sit through to get there yeah and john boyoga's funny which is it helps um um yeah and um uh i mean i think the the the, the issue i have with this film is that it's not as well told as the first one at the end of the day it's fun and i would totally watch it again and hell i'd see i would love to see a third one like i i I'm hooked into the I'm hooked into the universe to where I'm like, yeah, like I understand the rules. I understand the twists now. Give me a third one. Like and end it in a way that makes it nice and neat on my Blu-ray shelf. Um but I don't think that's gonna happen based off of what I read um in the box office reports. Unless it does like fucking amazing overseas. Which it could. It did better than exp- expected, so Yeah. Um But uh but yeah, like ultimately at the end of the day, like I mean it's come to the point, especially the last couple of weeks, because Black Panther's dominated everything. Like, if you don't have any other, like, option that you're willing to go do, like, if you're not going to go see Love, Simon, then, yeah, go see the robot fighting movie. I mean, like, make up your mind. <laughs> yeah, well, you've got Ready Player One next week, so Yeah, I mean, we'll you, get, and you get Spielberg next week, you know? So, like, I mean, but I'm not going to lie, I do want to see Black Panther again. <laughs> um, But, yeah, Uprising. It was fun. I mean... Oh, and uh, the uh, um, the three kaiju turning into one mega high kaiju was yeah, I thought that was cool too. I was like fucking. I was like, holy fucking shit! <laughs> <laughs> it's bigger than the fucking robots. <laughs> yeah, that was weird too. Is uh, the uh, the Jaegers at like? I guess you just have to assume that people evacuated the city enough because eventually the Jaegers just start cutting down buildings and throwing them at the robot. So like the good guys. Well, do you do you remember that like in the in the movie they were going through like they were all a lot of there was a big group that was going into one area that then lowered into the ground. Mm-hmm. It's my understanding that there's a bunch of those all around the damn city because of these monsters. Yeah, but I mean it's a huge city with a lot of buildings. It's just like, I mean like like and how do you like does everyone have a sensor that says like oh yeah everyone's underground? Like I'm sure there's people like I don't know what to do. I should just hang out in this corner <laughs> until this all blows over. I don't know. Um, it's just, it seemed a little dangerous when there's you know people complaining about like Zack Snyder blowing up whole cities. In my defense, I also did not want a scene going like we've evacuated the entire city. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like we're too smart for that now because a bunch of people on the internet fucking whined and complained about Snyder's film. Um, but anyway, I uh, I had fun with it. You know, it's funny in a way though. Like Pacific Rim and Uprising, like those two, those gave me what Transformers doesn't have. And uh, ha- doesn't have the capacity to give me, and I don't, and I think it's because like I actually care about the characters, and I don't have to be confused about which person is fighting who because one, they're not robots fighting robots, robots fighting monsters, but two, like there's a human element to it, and like I like, I mean, Optimus Prime is fine, but at the end of the day, like it's, it's very hard to see sympathy with a guy who can crush a fucking building with his foot, <laughs> so. Um, but anyway, anyway, yeah, that was fun. Um, if you like a Saturday morning cartoon, that's what it's, that's what it's kind of like. Maybe they should do the cereal party for that one. 
Anyway, next week, um, you'll get to go to the Oasis and uh, see Ready Player One. Um, I think there's something else, but it's not a major thing. But uh, I Love Dogs is out in limited release, so right. But we've, I think we've already come to the conclusion: if, if we can't get them to come out now, <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, yeah. So Ready Player One, we'll see. Has the uh, newspaper headline that I sent to you guys earlier in the week? Can Spielberg remember how to have fun? Which, again, I really wanted to just be an old man learns how to have fun again movie. But with Spielberg in it, like Scorsese could play his like, friend who he gets out of the retirement home in a big breakout. You know, it would be fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have fun dreams. <laughs> this is what happens when you spend 100 episodes with me, guys. <laughs> anyway, bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.